Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we're reviewing my first written mock draft of the 2023 NFL cycle. We've done mock drafts here on this show, but for PFF.com, I released my first 1.0 version of the 2023 NFL mock draft. A lot of picks to get to, a lot of things to discuss. Of course, we will go through every single selection. So no matter where your team is picking, we have got a mock draft pick for you, and we're going to talk about all of it. We would love to hear from you guys as well. So make sure you listen to who your team got, as well as the discussion we have, and get in on the conversation afterwards. I'm Trevor Sycamo. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. bell of the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. That's right. We're back another time this week. Wasn't sure we were going to be able to do it, but here we are, folks. I'm Trevor Sigma. That is Connor Rogers. Donning our favorite team's lightning or sorry, hockey gear. I'm Mine is lightning gear. Yours is the Rangers gear because tonight as we are recording this, a Thursday evening, our teams face off against each other. Not as heated as it was a couple months ago when it was during the playoffs, but still, we like to get up for it a little bit here, so we're wearing the jerseys. Connor, how are we feeling today? Good man, we get in the spirit of it. It's always a good time. Um, we we were able to get the third episode in. I will raise my hand. I took a little Wednesday off, so thank you to Trevor for working with my schedule. Thank you to the sex addicts for being patient. And man, we got a fun one today because you wrote a mock draft mm. and a big salute out there. We already got our first siren of the night. It is un <laughs> unbelievable how right on cue we got your mock draft. We're gonna go through all the picks um really get into this before we start doing our own mock draft so i'm really excited man i already got to read this i wasn't gonna wait until the actual episode to do it but i know a lot i'm sure you've already heard every take from every team's fan base already not every take and it's it's fun analyzing it right uh mike renner who is the lead draft analyst over at pff him and i went over this for it's just football a little bit earlier in the week and so i got mike's perspective on a lot of it have gotten chit chat with a lot of you guys out there for some of the picks for your team but if you haven't seen it yet or if you just want some added opinions on it, both Connor's and my own, this is the place for you. We're going to go through all 31 picks of the mock draft. Shout out the Dolphins, forfeited their pick for tampering. So there's only 31 picks this year in the first round, but we're going to go through all of them. We'll break it up. We'll go through the first five picks, next five picks, and then break it up 10 and 10 as we go through all these selections, and we'll just have a good conversation about it. Some of them will be a little bit lighter than others, but we'll make sure to list off every single pick of what all of these teams got. And of course, uh, as always, if you guys hear an opinion of ours that you want to either push back on or that you really loved, let us know at Tampa Bay Trey on Twitter, uh, at Connor J Rogers as well. You can hit us up on Instagram too. And then of course, in the YouTube comments, we love reading the YouTube comments too. So Connor, uh, you want to, you want to get started? I can read this bad boy off. I can get us kicked off. Yeah, let's get right into it. Cause there's a lot, a lot going on at the top that I think people won't be floored at, but I always think it's a good expo. There's a couple of difficult explanations here. I think right at the beginning, I don't know about difficult. I don't know about difficult, but we can talk a lot about these in the first five. So this is of course with the updated draft order as well. Uh, so it's a good exercise there to have a conversation about what teams might be thinking with the updated draft order. Number one, overall didn't go super hot. Take. He didn't go with it too much of a surprise. Houston Texans at one. I have them taking Bryce young quarterback from Alabama. Number two, the Chicago bears. I have them taking Jalen Carter, the defensive lineman from Georgia as the first non quarterback off the board, Seattle. Then I had them going Will Anderson at number three, the edge rusher from Alabama Four Arizona Cardinals picking in the top five. Now I had him going edge rusher, miles Murphy from Clemson. And then uh, to round out the top five, 
Indianapolis Colts, now the top five pick. I have them taking quarterback Will Levis from Kentucky. So, Connor, where are we starting here? What sticks out to you? What do you want to start with with this top five? I think number two, Jalen Carter to the Bears. I think that it's hard to complain about the Bears getting any blue chip defender, right? Mm -hmm. You look at this defense on paper, you look at how this defense has performed this year. You notably look at their investments in the secondary last year and the fact that they need investments up front in that front seven. Um, And fortunately for the Bears, where they're going to be picking, there are going to be blue chip prospects that are interior players like the player you chose in Jalen Carter or an edge player like Will Anderson. I would lean Will Anderson here because I think he's the best player in the draft, but it's not a situation where I find this anywhere near egregious or ridiculous I think it's what I would ask you, Trevor, is how did you come to this conclusion with going with Carter at number two? Carter, I think Carter's going to be my player one, man. Okay. And and that's ultimately why, you know, we haven't done interior defensive linemen yet, but even just from what I remember studying of him last year and then seeing what I've seen live, watching a lot of Georgia tape this year, I I think I'm going to have Carter as player one. He's just such a dominant player force man he's been unbelievable over the last two seasons uh back-to-back years where he's put up an elite pass rush grade uh, for one of the best defenses in the country it's not just the speed either right like there have been a lot of interior defensive linemen that have come with a lot of speed right you can have that burst off the snap you can have the quick hands you can get the penetration but the combination that he brings with strength you could double this dude and he will i mean he won't even get knocked back i mean he'll put his hands straight in your chest and he will ragdoll 315 320 pound guys like it's just nothing and i just think that combination of a player is the rarest form of defender that we do have in this class even for as athletic as will anderson is so i look at chicago and i do think they need to build things from uh the inside out um i do think they have some edge rushers that they like currently already on the roster that's not to say you don't take will anderson to be happy with it but if they can get jalen carter in the middle i think that that's honestly a big weak spot for them and you're attacking it with one of the best players in the class. So ultimately that's the reason why I ended up with Jalen Carter there. It's more of the, Hey, you don't need a quarterback. So you're just taking the best player available. I didn't do any trades in this mock. We talked a lot about trades in the Wednesday episode. We've talked a lot about the Chicago bears and the keys that they could hold no matter where they're picking because they already have their quarterback. So I do think that trading down is a possibility here, but if they're sticking it to Jalen Carter's where I went, man. And I think that that's, uh, I'm, pr- I'm pretty confident in that right now, which is how dominant that he has been. Man, it's going to be fascinating to see how they handle free agency with so much money, right? And to see if that gives us any hints of where they would go. Because as we've talked about on the show, the Bears are a team that could be picking number one. They can auction the pick of wherever they fall, whether that's one, and it's a lot easier when you're picking first overall, of course, but they could also still trade that pick at number two. Uh, I've been on the side that I would like to see them land one of these blue chip talents at the top of the draft. If they can't really get that haul, that would be ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And then you look at free agency, a relatively uninspiring edge class, I would say. I I mean, when you go into free agency, which is why I kind of tend to lean with Will Anderson, but interior D-line, it's not overwhelmingly talented. We'll see what happens with Deron Payne. Um, JJ Watts retiring. He was somebody I thought would be on the market and would be able to be that mercenary kind of contract for a team that wants to turn it around quickly where you're going to get him on a one to two year kind of deal, but he's hanging it up. 
you know, Fletcher Cox, it feels like he's always going to go back to the Eagles and is, is getting up there as well. So, I mean, there's I just a I lot. Know if, I don't know if Fletcher Cox should get to play anywhere else, you know? I, I don't think so. It feels like if he's not going to give it another year in Philly, he's probably going to hang him up, right? Why would he do anything else? Right. Right. Doesn't have and the Eagles are good at that. They've been they've been able to have that with him, Jason Kelsey. Like, guys want to be there. Mm-hmm. They mentor. They chase a ring. Makes a lot yeah. of sense. And that's the thing, too. Like, if the Eagles are going to be just as stacked next year as they were this year, or maybe I don't even need to say just as stacked. Like, if, if, if you're within that conversation, if you're the same type of team, Fletcher Cox could come back. Jason Kelsey could come back, right? I think you could convince those guys to give it one more year to go after a Super Bowl. Now, if they win the Super Bowl this year, I've got to think both of those guys say we're riding off into the sunset. But if the Eagles, you yeah. know, losing the NFC Championship game, losing the Super Bowl, maybe they get those guys to come back. But ultimately, now we're just talking about free agency classes. But I do agree with you. I think that both Jalen Carter and Will Anderson are going to be coveted, not just for their own abilities, but we're going to see teams prioritize. Teams with the top three pick, especially, prioritize those two guys in the draft order because they're going to look at free agency and it's like, eh, we still need a lot more juice there. But uh, Dominique Robinson um Travis Gibson you know I look at those guys in in Chicago I know they're not having the best year but nobody really along that Chicago defensive line is having the best year so I think they've got a little bit more hope on the edges whereas interior I don't really have a guy that I'm, I'm pointing to for the Chicago Bears unless there's somebody I'm glaringly forgetting so let's transition right there to the Seahawks that end up which is unbelievable they end up with Will Anderson because they have Denver's pick Seattle uh, surprisingly solid year. Obviously, they're hoping to finish strong, but I think things have gone better for them than a lot of people expected, and things have gone a lot worse than people expected for the Broncos, which ultimately leads to Seattle having this top three pick. I mean, Will Anderson was a no-brainer in, in the spot. You look at the Seattle front right now, and just in terms of pass rush, mm-hmm. they've gotten a good season out of Uchenna and Wosu, who is under contract for next year, which is really fortunate. He's been able to rush the passer quite a bit, but... You know, Daryl Taylor is somebody they drafted with a pretty significant pick. He has six sacks, but the consistent pressure rate is not there. I know they're expecting more out of Boye Mafe next year as well. Trevor, I look at this defensive line and, and just think they need a guy. They need that dude that can command double teams. They need that dude that can close out games. They need a guy that can make game-changing plays on the edge. Uh, and Will Anderson is that guy. The only thing that worries me about the Anderson pick in Seattle is do they want a bigger edge player, right? Because, like, I'm looking at the ways right small now. small up front now. What's, yeah. I mean, Uchenna Nuosu's got to be, like, 250, or, uh, yeah, like, 255. Mafe's probably the same. Maybe Mafe's 260. But Will Anderson is going to come in at, like, 240, you know, like 245. I don't know what he's going to weigh in at the combine. Maybe he's going to go on the uh, the classic uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich late at night to just bulk up for the combine. And maybe he wants to show up at, you know, 250 or something. The Vic and then... Beasley. Remember that? Yeah. What did Vic, what did Vic jump to? I'm going to pull it up right now. I can't it, remember looked, what... it felt like Vic played at like literally 228 throughout college. And then he shows up to the combine weighing 246. The man got big and still jumped 41 inches. Pure peanut butter and steak, but not at the same time. Steak for dinner, peanut butter and jelly sandwich four hours later. Midnight snack, folks. Yeah. yeah. And then whole milk. 
You know, it's just how it's, that's how it's done. That's how you put on some weight. Um, I don't know, maybe Anderson's going to do that. Maybe Anderson will show up a little bit bigger, but clearly on tape, the way that he wins is with athleticism. It's with him being fast. And he does that at a much lighter weight. Um, we've seen instances before where I, I'll point out Noah Spence, because I just know that example very well from Tampa Bay. Noah Spence was good at Ohio state and he was great at Eastern Kentucky because of his athleticism. And he showed up to the NFL weighing 245, you know, 240, 245, and he couldn't hang. Like, they, they just, the offensive tackles just were stronger than him. And he was yeah. not able to disengage if he couldn't get around the outside shoulder, if he couldn't get a good jump on the snap. Then he tried to go up, bulk up to like 255. He just didn't have the explosiveness and the athleticism at 255. Then he tried to lose a ton of weight again, and then he was like 240. And all of a sudden now Noah Spence is out of the league. So I'm not saying that that's going to be Will Anderson, but the only reservations I have with him in Seattle is they have some lighter-ish pass rushers already. Is it redundant? Like, do they need a different kind of pass rusher? I don't think that conversation keeps you from picking Will Anderson, but it's just something to know, whether it's for the Seattle Seahawks or for other teams that might finish with a top five overall pick. It's just something to kind of note about the type of pass rusher that you're getting because the pass rusher I have going next in the draft, number four overall, very different, right? Miles Murphy to the Arizona Cardinals. He's six foot five, 275 pounds. These are two differently built football players. So I think that uh, your preference and style of what kind of guy that you want could go into a lot of this as well, whether people are like, oh, yeah, got to take Will Anderson, no-brainer. Or people might be in the top five and entertain a trade down because they might want a Miles Murphy, a Tyree Wilson, somebody who's got a little bit more size to him. That makes sense. It, yeah, it's fascinating, right? Like, how? what do you need? How, what do you, how does your defense play? Um, because it's, it's tr- tricky, right, Trevor? I think the question I ask is, will Will Anderson be for everyone? And I lean on the side of yes because he's so damn talented. I do too. Yeah, but it's it's not as cut and dried as like Aiden Hutchinson, right? Like anybody would take Aiden Hutchinson. He's almost six foot six. He could play standing up. He can play with his hand in the dirt. And I don't even think Aiden's you know maybe the premium example because he I, Will Anderson's a lot more talented in my opinion. But there's a conversation that in the in the room the scouts will look at will anderson and be like this guy's grading out as our best player and some coaches yeah who are very difficult would be like well we traditionally don't play ends that are under 245 and i'm not here to say uh you know there's going to be a team that's going to like pass on will anderson no i don't think so either i don't think that's going to be the case it's just going to be an interesting conversation to have um because of how much lighter of a rusher that, that Anderson is. He does have the production, though, right? When you think about yeah, Aiden Hutchinson. When you think about Aiden Hutchinson, yeah, his weight was obviously higher, but also, like, if you just look at Aiden Hutchinson, he's a very slim dude. Like, it, it, it's not like he looks like this hulking dude. He looks like a slimmer rusher because he is six foot six. Uh, Will Anderson looks a little bit slimmer, but you were okay with Hutchinson, clearly, with him going number two overall because of the production. If you were cool with Hutchinson going two overall – you're going to be cool with Anderson going to overall because the production's been insane over the last couple of years. So didn't mean didn't mean for uh, if anybody out there was like, wow, this guy's saying pass on Will Anderson. I don't think Never. that's going to be the case. I don't think the teams are going to think that either. It's just something to keep in mind with him being 
lighter than maybe you would just like expect. That's all. So number four, the Cardinals, you have Miles Murphy going there. Miles Murphy to me is one of the better floor picks of this draft. Mm -hmm. I think he's strong. I think he's athletic. I think he can play inside. I think he can play outside. I think they're, I think he's going to be more productive at the next level, depending on what scheme he's in. I find it interesting, right, Trevor? It feels like the conversation for some teams, and we've had this conversation, right? Is do you swing for ceiling with Jared Verse, or do you go with the floor and versatility of Miles Murphy? And, and for Arizona here, I think Miles Murphy makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. I think JJ Watt retiring. I, Jared Verse is my number two edge. I believe he was the same for you. And mm-hmm. but I still think the fit for Miles Murphy here it really really adds up compared to the player that Verse is right now. And it kind of depends what their defensive scheme is next year. That's a good because point. We just don't know. There's not a guarantee that this entire coaching staff is still going to be there. So, uh, you know, J.J. Watt's retiring. That's not great. Um, Zach Allen's a free agent. You're probably going to bring him back because he has had a great year, but he is a free agent coming up. And Miles Murphy, to your point, gives you a lot of versatility. Like, he's somebody who can play anywhere from a four eye shoot you could even play him at three tech sometimes but like you know a four yeah. eye technique to a five or a six or a seven however you want to mark where wherever the tight ends are with him lining up wide so clemson used him in a lot of different ways but he is somebody who brings you some unique athleticism for a player who also has his size so if you're going to play an odd front he is somebody who i think could play defensive end for you. you'd probably have to gain mm-hmm. a little bit of weight but like he's got the strength profile right he's got the ability to anchor on the line of scrimmage and play a little bit bigger and be a two-gap guy in that regard but if you also want him to play as a defensive end a five-tech player in, a, in, an, in an even front in a 4-3 he can do that too so that's ultimately why I figured he'd be good for Arizona is because he gives you that kind of flexibility that kind of versatility whatever the defense is going to look like next year with them losing J.J. Watt which is um an important piece because he was he was playing well i thought about offensive line with the cardinals because i also think that offensive line is an issue for them but when you break it down humphrey's been playing well i've said this on this podcast humphrey's playing well when he was healthy uh josh jones on the right side has been okay so you, i think you're okay with him at right tackle with that investment um really you want interior offensive line help and four for peter skronsky already seems early and especially if you're taking him to play interior offensive line, you're not taking an interior offensive lineman at four. You're just you're just not going to do that. So that's ultimately why I landed on Murphy uh, at four for the Cardinals. Yeah, I'd rather spend on interior offensive line than reach in the draft. And I know that's Skronsky's a really good player. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but it's just you're 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 going for blue chip talent, and Miles Murphy is right on the cusp of that. Um, and I'll save the, we'll get into verse in just a little bit, but the big one, the biggest one is at number five. Yeah. You have the Colts taking Will Levis. We've said, Will Levis, you are a Colt for like three months in a row. The Colts have lost enough games where they're actually in prime position to get Will Levis mm-hmm. barring a Baker Mayfield situation where we just get to the week of the draft. And it's like, oh yeah, the Texans are taking Will Levis number one overall, which let me be clear. I'm not ruling that out. I actually think there's a better chance of that happening than 
the general public realizes as much as we do not agree with that Mm -hmm. at all. But for now, to keep this conversation clear and concise, Will Levis goes to the Colts. The Colts finally draft a quarterback up with a premium selection. They've swung and missed on veterans. It hasn't worked. Chris Ballard, I mean, he's got to be hanging on by a thread right now. It's Mm -hmm. it's It's crazy. It's really ugly. I think a lot of Colts fans actually would like them to just move on entirely, but I really think Ballard's going to get a shot at his quarterback in the draft. And I think Ballard prioritizes big power armed quarterbacks, even if they're raw, even if they're the production's not there, the efficiency's not there. And when you look at Levis, those are going to be the questions with him. You can, you can pick out Levis's five best plays, right? And I don't know if there's a quarterback in this draft that has five plays like that. But when you look at the entire sample size, I don't think he's remotely close to where a guy like Bryce Young or even CJ Stroud is at right now. But if you're Chris Ballard, what do you have to lose at yeah, this point? The biggest, the biggest worry, um, or I'll say the biggest talking point between who's going to be QB2 in this draft between Levis and CJ Stroud is how much does it worry you that Stroud really struggles out of structure and off script because he's not a mobile quarterback, right? Levis is more mobile than CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud is a pocket passer. And when you pressure him, sure, he can navigate the pocket decently well, but there's plenty of instances where he doesn't. And he's not going to be a guy that can really extend a lot of plays for you with his legs. Levis, not afraid to do that. So that's a bonus in his in his, uh, his corner, if you will. C.J. Stroud was one of the worst quarterbacks that we graded this year under pressure. One of the worst. I think he was like 115th out of 132 FBS quarterbacks. I, it was just, it, it, it was not good, man. I mean, his grade was terrible. I thought his grade wasn't good last year, and it was so much worse this year. So he's somebody who, if you can't have faith that he can get under better under pressure, that's going to be a tough sell. Because as, for as much as you like what he does under, or in structure, if you can't have faith that he can be a creator for you, right? Dane Brugler used that word when we had him on to talk about his rock draft. These NFL teams, they're looking for creators as much as they are passers. If you can't believe that C.J. Stroud is going to become a creator for you, a consistent creator for you, um, then it's just going to it's going to sour a lot of teams. Is that going to sour the Colts? I don't know. A lot of a lot of people. The biggest pushback that I got on this mock draft is how can you take Levis over C.J. Stroud? I still believe that there's plenty of reason that C.J. Stroud could go above Will Levis. There's plenty of arguments that you can make for that. I'm not saying that's impossible. But the reason why I switched it up a little bit here is to kind of just get it on everybody's radar that that's it's not this consensus. We are not at the same point that we were at the beginning of the college football season where Bryce Young was going one and CJ Stroud was going two or vice versa. That's not the point that we live at right now. And I'll tell you what, we've talked about this a little bit here on this on this show. December 31st is going to be massive for CJ Stroud. Even though one game should not make an entire scouting report on somebody if Georgia gets after C.J. Stroud and he looks rattled under pressure on national television in the college football playoff, it's not going to reflect well for him. It's just, it's just not. Oh, is right. that is that fair? 
not entirely, but it is part of the story. But I'm just letting you guys know that that's kind of going to be the narratives that we're going to talk about. If you thought people were talking about, like, whispering about Will Levis before, if C.J. Stroud looks rattled in the college football playoff, you're going to hear a lot more people be a lot more bullish about Will Levis being QB2 uh, off the board. So ultimately, just getting back to Levis, though, yeah, definitely struggled with consistency. Last year's Kentucky team wasn't great, although it was – uh, Levis's first year as a starter there didn't have a ton of weapons to throw to kind of leaned on the run game he's really trying to figure things out as a first-time starter this year yes he was supposed to take another step forward but loses offensive coordinator and Liam Cohen um, the offensive coordinator that took over was not nearly as creative not nearly as effective they had no passing weapons at all to speak of the offensive line was not good the running game was not good Will Levis was under pressure and had to force more tight window throws than um, not just college football average, but NFL average. This guy was put in a disadvantageous position so many times throughout the season. What he is, though, big, strong arm quarterback who brings you the mobility, tough as nails. He's got an absolute rocket of an arm. And I think he's a smart dude. I really do. When you talk about guys getting better in the pros, continuing to evolve as quarterbacks, I think Levis is on that path, man. This is just the second year that he's been a starting quarterback. And I think it's going to get better for him. I really do. You can't just point to this year and say, like, this is who he is. This is the production. you got to look yeah. at the full context. And when you do that, I think that's why you see uh, him potentially going in the top 10 of this upcoming draft. I think it's happening. And I think he'll be a really interesting eval. I'm not finished. I'm not even close to finished writing up Levis yet. I mean, he's somebody that it'll be very, very difficult. You're, it's a projection pick, right? Everything is there for him to be a high-end starter in mm-hmm. the league. But you – situational matter um playing under control will matter and maximizing those traits so we'll get to the stroud levis quarterback conversation as a whole in this class but as it stands right now yeah i mean i think he's going in the top 10 i i would bet lean on him going in the top five so let's get to six to ten okay six uh, you yeah. want you want to read it off or you want me to read sure it off? yeah i'll fire away here okay even though it's your mock draft i'll steal no, the spotlight no, for a it's second fine. it's fine it's fine it's our podcast to co-host Six, he had the Falcons taking Jared Verse, the edge defender from Florida State. He was mm-hmm. edge two for both of us. Seven, Detroit Lions. This is the Rams selection. Mm-hmm. Brian Brzee, the D-line out of Clemson. Eight, the Panthers taking C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. Nine, Las Vegas Raiders taking edge defender Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. And ten, the Eagles uh, using the Saints pick here, taking cornerback Keely Ringo out of georgia mm-hmm. so a lot i got plenty of guys we've talked about a lot brzee going all the way back to the summer uh we'll start with verse the falcons have struggled to have a consistent edge pass rush for so long i mean i think back to when they paid dante fowler and it just didn't work out this has been this has been a problem for atlanta for quite a bit uh, where if verse is sitting there at six the falcons and verse are such a good match they really really are i, I mean this is a guy with high-end pass rush ability He's explosive. He's got very heavy hands. I think this is the type of player that they need to be keying in on if if they don't take a quarterback. And that's going to be the giant pending question mark when doing mock drafts for the Atlanta Falcons before free agency is, is this team going to go the veteran route like they did last year when they signed Marcus Mariota? And are they going to give Desmond Ritter a chance going into next summer? Some of that might depend on what Ritter shows at the end of the season here. Mm -hmm. That's the big question with Atlanta is would they pass on a Stroud? And if they did, I'm assuming that they were able to get one of those veterans to come play for Arthur Smith. 
Yeah, in this exercise, I didn't have them taking a quarterback. I didn't really think about it a lot. Um, I'm I'm just not uh, I'm not in the mindset to be like, yeah, they're moving on from Ritter. Like if I if yep. I mock them a quarterback at this point in time, it would feel kind of moot, right? Because a lot of people would be like, hey, you just said that Ritter got better in his second start from his first start, and I think that they are genuinely giving him a chance to prove himself in these last four games that uh, that he that that he's had to start. So. I just I didn't even think about a quarterback. You are totally right, though. Quarterback definitely on the table. That's the biggest conversation piece for the Atlanta Falcons, no doubt about it. But I just didn't think about one in this mock. I was looking elsewhere, and because I was looking elsewhere, edge rushers where I went to. They have the second least amount of sacks in the NFL. They only have 19 sacks this season. Only the Chicago Bears have less with 18. So pass rush help is going to be paramount for them, uh, and I think that. Getting a guy like Jared Verse, who can be a go-to pass rusher for you, I really do believe he's only getting better. You know, speaking oh, of yeah. guys who don't have a ton of experience, uh, two years ago he was at the FCS level. We've talked about it so many times here on this show with the Albany Great Danes and was an all-conference player. The first year that he was a starter, goes to the FBS, is the best defensive lineman on Florida State, no question about it, one of the best in the ACC overall. So I, I think that the best football is ahead of this guy. And as the competition level increases to the NFL level, he is only going to get better. And and I really do feel like he could be a future pass rusher for the Falcons. All right. Number seven, Brian Brzee. Um, I think we'll, we'll touch more on him throughout this process when we do interior D line, which isn't too far away. Brzee, very, very talented pass rusher at 300 pounds for the lions here. This is exactly where I'm thinking. Because then you're looking at a front next year where Aleem McNeil, Aiden Hutchinson, mm-hmm. Brzee, James Houston, you start to see that front seven transform a little bit. Uh, and obviously the size and athleticism combination that he possesses would help a front that, you know, is is still in a rebuild mode. Yeah, and they're hoping Levi and Wuzurike too, right? Uh, you know, he was yeah. a guy who had a ton of talent. Um been a while since we've played, seen him play consistent, healthy football now, especially going back to Washington. I believe he was one of the COVID opt-outs as well. So, like, we just didn't – we haven't seen a healthy and consistent Levi Wuzurike in a while, but a lot of talent coming out of Washington. And so, even if you get him as, like, a bonus guy on top of the guys that you named there, that's a really good defensive line. That's what you definitely like there. I, I Again, didn't think about quarterback for Detroit. Went into this mock draft saying, all right, I'm probably not going to draft one for Detroit – I want to see what a hall looks like if they go one more year with Jared Goff, um, really get into defense because that is something that we've talked about on the What Matters Most show. You just give Detroit a average defense. This team's in the playoffs, you know? That's all you need. Just give them an average defense. So go get defensive playmakers. Brzee, I think, is a really great cornerstone in the middle at the center of that defense. And like you said, it. It'll free up Aiden Hutchinson. It'll allow Aleem McNeil to play that true nose tackle spot, the one that he thrives at. So that's why I, I, I really like Brzee here because of not just the unique talent that he is. It's not just the, all right, we're filling the position. He is also a best player available candidate right here, right? If a former number one overall player in the country, Clemson really did not ask him to pin his ears back very much. He never really had a chance to develop a, pass rush profile so all of that i still think is coming in his game but what you see is just the size the strength the speed all of that combination that brzee could bring to the game great flashes of it and i think that uh he is somebody who that, that rarity of an athlete that he is that's what you still cover in the top 10 so that's why i had him going here where you did have a team going quarterback is is eight carolina takes shroud this is the third quarterback off the board mm-hmm. 
Sam Darnold's a free agent. It didn't obviously work out with Baker Mayfield. Carolina's had this quarterback problem for quite some time now. We know the owner's obsessed with figuring it out. I think this makes a lot of sense in terms of them maybe you know not going all in on a, a Jimmy G or a Derek Carr or a player like that and saying this is an ascending offensive line, which mm-hmm. has been really good to see. Since they traded Christian McCaffrey, they've gotten production out of Deontay Foreman and Shuba Hubbard. They still have talent at wide receiver. I think this is a place where you'd like to see C.J. Stroud go and, and get that time in the pocket to make some plays. Um, and the fact is, you know, Carolina, I don't think we could even rule them out as a team potentially trading up in this draft for a quarterback as well. Yeah, I'm I'm just, I'm, I don't consider Carolina a team for a veteran quarterback. I just don't. Why would a vet even really be interested in going there I mean, I, compared I, to a I, lot of the open places. I could see why a vet would want to go there. Cause like you said, like the Defense offensive is line's good. playing really good down the stretch. Defense is playing really good. That's fair. Um, no doubt. You know, especially if Steve Wilkes is still the head coach there, clearly a guy that people love to play for building something in Carolina. So I could see them going the veteran. Well, I could see it making sense from a veteran quarterback standpoint of maybe wanting to go to Carol to Carolina, but I just, Obviously, this can change, right? Because if Carolina wins this coming weekend against Tampa Bay and Carolina ends up making the playoffs, then you're basically looking at, do we have a chance to draft Anthony Richardson somewhere around the early 20s or number 20 overall? Um because if because if we don't, then we've got to go with the veteran no matter what. And you probably still at that a point want a vet, right? You probably still, still a want a vet. You don't want to throw Anthony Richardson out there, but Shoot, maybe that's a strategy I like best for the Carolina Panthers. Maybe you go make the playoffs. You sign one of those veteran quarterbacks, uh, a Gardner Minshew, a Mike White. Sorry, Connor. Uh, that makes sense. You know, I don't think they're trading for Derek Carr or anything, but I mean, like maybe a Jimmy G, and then you go draft Anthony Richardson. Could be a nice move for Carolina now that I'm thinking about it. But anyways, I got them picking C.J. Stroud at number eight. Uh, for as much as I kind of had some criticism of, of C.J. Stroud and what – Pulls me back from him being a top three, top five pick guaranteed. You're still taking this guy probably in the top 10. I mean, you look at it and you look at some of the quarterbacks and you go, oh man, you know, Kirk Cousins used to struggle under pressure all the time. Okay. Well, I mean, like, look at Kirk Cousins now. Like, you, 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 Jared Goff, right? Jared Goff struggled with pressure. Now look at Jared Goff now. You, you would be taking those kinds of passers yep. on, on rookie deals. Right. If you I think the big the big issue with those players is always do you pay them all of this money? Do you pay Kirk Cousins all this money? Do you pay Jared Goff all this money? Well, the NFL has said yes to those guys, nah, not just twice, but for Kirk Cousins multiple times now. But if you get that kind of mold of a player, that kind of a passer on a rookie deal, still worth it. That's still worth it in the top ten. So that's why I got Carolina taking them at eight. So this next team, I think. If I had to pick a team outside of the Texans, they are the most likely to take a quarterback in this draft, and that is the Las Vegas Raiders. Number one, I don't think they'll be picking ninth in this draft. They are today when you had to write the mock draft, and I think your scenario is very realistic where Bryce, Levis, and Stroud are all gone. But the Derek Carr era is all but over for the Raiders. They've made that that much clear. It seems like McDaniels will be the guy going forward. Mm -hmm. If you're moving on from Carr, it tells me you're really trying to, you know, draft and develop a guy, I would think, at the quarterback position. And 
the Raiders finished the season against the Niners and the Chiefs. So they could be moving up from the ninth pick closer to that top five spot. I think you disagree. No, I just like, I like, I don't, I don't see the, I don't see the Colts winning, right? The the teams that they could jump. No, no, no. I don't see Arizona winning. Nick Foles. Don't see the Cardinals winning again. I don't see the Colts winning again. Atlanta, maybe. So Atlanta's a team that could move. And the Rams, what's the Rams schedule? Who do they play? Who do the Rams play? Atlanta's a team that I could see winning another game down the stretch, one of these last two. Carolina is obviously a team that I could see winning one of the last two. New Orleans is tough because they play Philly and then they play Carolina. Rams have the Chargers and the Seahawks. Okay, probably not. So all of that to say, I think Vegas is going to pick eight. Like I think they're going to Carolina's big. I think they're going to pick eight or seven. Because I do think Carolina wins one of these last games here, Me whether too. it's one in Tampa or the last game of the year against the Falcons. I think they play the Falcons. Saints. Right. Yeah, they play. The, they play the Saints. I just said that, idiot. Um, not you. To be very clear, me. I so I think they pick eight. I, I don't think they're going to get in that top five. They probably can't get in that range, but I think they do pick eight. Uh, so, anyways, uh, Tyree Wilson. I have them take a Tyree Wilson here. After all that, here's Tyree Wilson. I think it's going to be a clean slate. Clean slate talk uh, for the Las Vegas Raiders. It should be as much as they possibly can get. That Chandler Jones has been a disappointment. Oh yeah, I would certainly entertain trading him, getting his seventeen million off the books, just getting anything in return for him. He just has not been worth it, and clearly now they're not making a playoff push next year. So if you can get something for him, yeah, he had a down year this year, but the year before he was still a really great pass rusher, and he's been one of the best pass rushers in the NFL for a while. So go trade him to a team that's going to compete this year. I think that you could absolutely do that. Get his uh, get his cap hit off the books. Move on from Chandler Jones. At that point, you just really need somebody along with uh, with Max Crosby. And for as much as I I do think that Tyree Wilson's more of a risk than people are kind of making it to believe, it seems like he's going to go top ten, top twelve. So I wanted to find a spot for him in Vegas. Obviously. I had this before the Derek Carr news, but I I, I I had them going with Tyree Wilson here because I still think the fit makes sense. But then I also agree with you that they're going to get aggressive for a quarterback because they kind of have to. But, but in this scenario, there was nowhere for you to go. No, right? not you, really. So, I I mean, you took a guy that's going in the top 10, Probably which is the smart same. thing to do. Tyree Wilson's going in the top 10. Then to round it out of 10, you have the Eagles taking Keely Ringo. Yeah. I mean, the Eagles roster is great. You made the great point that James Bradbury is is uh, on a one-year deal mm-hmm. so they can kind of stack that corner room again. I I think Christian Gonzalez is going to be the first corner off the board, but could very well be. That's an argument for another day. Could very well be. It really was. It was kind of a coin flip of which corner do I want to go to the Eagles opposite Slay. That was basically what this came Pretty out. good place to be for the Eagles. Great place to be. Great place to be for the Eagles. Corner makes a lot of sense. The big three are Ringo, Gonzalez, and Porter. And then uh do you want to read 11 to 20? I've kind of still taken your shine here. Yeah, I'll I'll read I'll read 11 to 20, but before we do that, got to got to shout out our friends over at Mojo. Got, I got a question for everybody out there. What if you guys could have invested in Tom Brady stock as a rookie? Okay? Think of many years ago. If you would have just thrown some money his way as a rookie, your investment would be worth over 4,000% today. Now it's not a question of what if, now it's a who's 
next. Mojo, the all-new sports stock market, lets you invest in your favorite athletes and cash in on your passion. Sign up right now on the Apple App Store to get your first stock for free worth up to tens of thousands of dollars if you hit that bad boy right. Over 300 NFL players are listed on Mojo, so you can invest in rookies like Drake London, like Chris Olave, like George Pickens, uh, comeback candidates like a Saquon Barkley, a Geno Smith, guys like that, superstars like Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, uh, Josh Allen, anybody. Go long and make money when an underrated diamond in the rough really breaks out, or you can even short sell a rival if you think that they're going to flop prices move with every play, every game, every headline. So you can buy and sell instantly anytime all year long. So the action never stops for you. Mojo is live in New Jersey right now. So download Mojo on the Apple app store today and start turning your playmakers into money makers. Must be 21 years or older to use Mojo and located in New Jersey to make trades. If you got a gambling problem, help us available at 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit mojo.com for more info. All right, I'll read off uh, 11 through 20. And we can we we can just pick and choose. We don't have to go through all of them. Elijah yeah, yeah. You can pick and choose these. Houston Texans. I feel like we're going to talk about this one, but Houston Texans. Yes. I have them taking Peter Skaronsky at uh, at eleven and not a wide receiver. So offensive tackles Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern Seahawks. I have them taking cornerback Christian Gonzalez at number twelve. So that means their haul is Will Anderson and Christian Gonzalez. Titans got him going wide receiver Quentin Johnston from TCU. New England Patriots wide receiver Jordan Addison from USC. The New York Jets. Offensive tackle Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers at 16. Broderick Jones, the offensive tackle from Georgia. Green Bay Packers at 17. Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. Detroit Lions at 18. Joey Porter Jr., the corner from Penn State. Jacksonville Jaguars at 19. Going Cam Smith, the corner from South Carolina. Um, And number 20, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking edge rusher Nolan Smith from Georgia. Where are we starting, Connor? Well, we didn't do the Texans for number one overall because it's Bryce and we've had that combo enough. So Mm -hmm. let's give the Texans some love here at 11 with Skaronsky. They have, you know, maybe the best tackle in football or one of the best tackles in football in Tunsil right now. Skaronsky is a guy that we think can play all over the line. He was a big time center recruit in emergency. He ends up as a tackle for Northwestern thrives there. A lot of teams are going to evaluate him as a guard. Just warning everybody right now. You're going to hear it all for Skaronsky. Uh, what you need to hear above all else is that he's a great player and he's a good run blocker. He's got enough athleticism. He's reliable and very clean and pass pro. You wrote in the mock draft that he had an elite 92.4 pass blocking grade. He only gave mm-hmm. up one sack this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy's a stud. And for the Texans in this area, I know we've talked about the dream hall for them is, is you know, walking away with that quarterback and the pass rusher. The way the run went here, it just didn't work out for them, right? It, Will Anderson's gone. Miles Murphy's gone. Jared Verse is gone um Tyree Wilson's gone so the edge class I don't want to say fell off a cliff but you're getting into a totally different tier of player where I like that you're just continuing to stack the offensive line and protect the investment you made at number one overall who's a lighter smaller player but a really Mm. good one in Bryce Young so I, I was a big fan of this strategy here oh well I I went a little mad scientist with this one too because let's say you get to keep Larry Matunzel he's gonna still be there as a left tackle They've been playing Titus Howard at right tackle, and Titus Howard's been playing well at right tackle. He, so he's I, been much improved, right? I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to just like say, oh, we're drafting an offensive tackle because these guys haven't watched Titus Howard. Titus Howard's been playing good at right tackle, so maybe that deters this. But Connor, what allowed me to make this pick is Kenyon Green, their first round pick from last year, the left tackle, or sorry, their left guard. He got hurt, and when he got hurt, they, in order to get their quote unquote best five on the field. They moved Titus Howard from right tackle to guard. Played decently well. 
was against the Chiefs. Had to go up against Chris Jones a couple times. Not easy. You know, fared well. If you can live in a world where you draft Peter Skaronsky and you say, Skaronsky, you can play right tackle or even Skaronsky can play guard, then all of a sudden next year you have Larry Matunsel, Titus Howard, Peter Skaronsky, Kenyon Green. All four guys that you've got hope for on the offensive line can be really good starters for you, and you've got versatility of where you can play Titus Howard and Peter Skaronsky, wherever each of them is best. That is a revamped offensive line. That automatically That's the good stuff. that makes you a really strong unit in theory moving forward for your franchise quarterback. So that's why I went with Peter Skaronsky there. That's the good stuff. I like that a lot. I, I think that something that I'm a firm believer in, and I, I've noticed you are too, judging by not only your evaluations and your mock drafts for the time we work together, is when there's a lot of questions where you are, take a high-level talent in the trenches. Mm-hmm. And things just kind of tend to work out for you in the long run. It's a it's a fallback option that is a sustainable model in the NFL. Is if you have blue chip down in the trenches, you're always going to have a shot. And the Texans are a team that I look at, and they have a lot of high end pieces on the O line. They need pl- they need some help on the D line, but at this pick at eleven, I would skew towards taking a high end player for the trenches again. I would agree. Seahawks. Um, I'll touch lightly on some of them, and then you can kind of just react to what you want. Mm-hmm. Seahawks taking Christian Gonzalez. We've been very vocal on this show. Seattle finding the corner to play with Tariq Woolen for the next four years is it should be high on their priority list. Big athletic corner. Gonzalez is six two. He's going to run in the four threes, dude. Yeah, that's their kind of guy. Titans. Quentin Tar- Johnson. Wait, 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 wait. I just need to say this really slowly, really quick. Tariq Woolen on the outside. Christian Gonzalez on the outside. Kobe Bryant at the nickel. Pretty nice. I love start- it. I had, and- a sm- I had a smile on my face when I picked this one for the Seattle Seahawks. That is- and they have Will Anderson rushing the passer in this scenario. You're welcome, Seahawks fans. Yeah. New Legion of Boom. Um, 13, the Titans taking Quentin Johnson. This is a team that they need a lot. They need a tackle. I would still bang the drum for tackle here, but you can't call him crazy for taking a wide receiver. Patriots did the same thing with Jordan Addison at 14. Mm -hmm. Addison is, that's the fit that just makes a lot of sense. Really smart player that can kick inside and outside. They need pass catchers. So what, you know, how did you, yeah, you seem like you kind of Tennessee frustrated you because they're just, you can't build Roman a day with them. Yeah. It's tough. Right. I mean, like a lot, a lot of people were like, Hey, Tennessee needs offensive line. And I, I think I, I ultimately think they're right. If I cha- if I had to change really anything in this mock, that would probably be up there on the priority list of me to say like, okay, yeah, I probably should have given him Parrish Johnson Jr. You know, like I probably should just give him an offensive lineman because they need a lot of help along the offensive line. That's not to say they don't need help at wide receiver. They desperately still need help at wide receiver. Uh, Traylon Burks, it's not just like, oh, we drafted Traylon Burks last year. We're good to go. No, you need a, you need a lot more talent um, than just him. So, yeah, I, I think that they still need a wide receiver, but I also feel like the Titans could have gone offensive line here and wide receiver later in the draft. So I thought about that too. And this kind of worked out big time for the Jets at 15. Of course. You had them taking Paris Johnson. Yeah. They need O-line. They need O-line. Yeah. Their center, Connor McGovern, could be a free agent. They We don't know what Dwayne Brown is going to do. George Fant is going to be a free agent. They need offensive line help in the best way. And, and you know, for... I didn't finish my tackle rankings yet, but Paris Johnson or Broderick Jones in that spot 
Yeah, and you know, they're it's not exactly like the Texans, but yeah, you you can't a hundred percent count on Makai Becton. No. But it's not it's not like it, you know, he's not he's not dead. You know, like it's not like the dream is dead completely with him. So there is still reason to say, hey, if we draft Paris Johnson Jr., then in theory, we have a left tackle in Makai Becton, a right tackle in Paris Johnson Jr., and then Elijah Vera Tucker. You bring Mac McGovern. All of a sudden, like, again, boom. Like Tomlinson. Like, that's right. That's There's your line. Your line's good. And if you don't have Makai Becton, you can move Paris Johnson over to the left side. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker has played tackle before. Maybe you can kick him out to tackle yeah. again. You can replace a guard a lot easier that way. So no matter what, no matter what, whether they have Makai Becton or not, Paris Johnson Jr. feels like the pick to me. So if they can get their hands on him, great. There's a chance he won't be there, though. So I did want to throw that out there, too. And a veteran quarterback is going to be under center. So you got to protect him mm-hmm. because we know Jimmy's injuries if he's there. Mm-hmm. We know Mike White's injuries if he's there. Yeah. Whether it's Gardner Minshew, Derek Carr, whoever it is. Yeah, Tom Brady doesn't him. like taking hits. <laughs> you know how many times <laughs> you said to me, you want a Super Bowl, just sign Tom Brady? You know how funny it would be if if that ultimately happens, it's not going to, but if that ultimately happens, my favorite pick out of all, it's not, it's not going to, but it might, but it might, you never know. The rumors will be there. You can guarantee that. So you have the Steelers taking Broderick Jones. They need Mm -hmm. O line help. Packers taking Michael Mayer. Um, Detroit Lions taking Joey Porter. They need Mm -hmm. corner help. Jacksonville Mm -hmm. takes Cam Smith. They could use another corner across from Tyson Campbell. The Bucks taking Nolan Smith. I want to cue in on my, Maybe my favorite pick. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's Jordan Love. I don't care if it's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, when it comes down to it, dude, well, as I just delete something in my doc like an idiot, now I'm scrambling to fix it. <laughs> when you look at uh, Michael Mayer, yeah, he's a stud. Yeah. He's a stud. And he's a safety blanket. He can play in the slot. He can play in on the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think Robert Tunyon's a free agent. Either I mean, way, I mean, even if he's not, it's not, it's not stopping me in this yeah. scenario, but yeah. I'm just kind of illuminating how much of an instant impact he can have. Oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. They have, they have Christian Watson. They've got Romeo Dobbs. And then you have your over the middle guy with Michael Mayer. Uh, Michael Mayer is, yeah. is not going to blow anybody away at the combine with his athleticism, but he just is so damn reliable. Elite PFF grade this past year, our highest graded receiving tight end, uh, even higher than Brock Bowers. Um, and that's no slight on Brock Powers. I just, I, I'm just saying that to say how good Michael Mayer was. He is just that kind of player that's. Rodgers could give him ten targets a game his rookie season, and I think it'd be warranted. The return on investment would be there. He's already a pro. He's been a pro for it feels like two two years now. So that is an area where everybody's going to scream, "Hey, the Packers! They need wide receiver. They need wide receiver." This is actually the type of receiver I feel like they need. An over-the-middle mm-hmm. guy, a security blanket guy, a short-to-intermediate player, a guy who knows how to find the soft spot in zones, knows how to round the routes, knows how to get the timing good with quarterbacks, like all of that. I just think that he's going to become Aaron Rodgers' best friend if Aaron Rodgers is still there. Yeah, he's a top-ten player in the draft. All right, you want to close this thing out? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, the, so uh, the back end? 
Uh, 21, Washington Commanders. I had them taking Anton Harrison, the offensive tackle from Oklahoma. 22, this is Miami Dolphins pick, forfeited, so nothing. New York Giants, 23, Anthony Richardson, the quarterback for Florida. There he goes, folks. 24, Los Angeles Chargers, Zay Flowers, the wide receiver from Boston College. 25, Baltimore Ravens, Clark Phillips, the corner from Utah. 26, Denver Broncos via the San Francisco 49ers and Miami Dolphins. Offensive guard. Osiris Torrance from Florida. Uh, 27, Dallas Cowboys wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State. 28, Bengals offensive tackle Darnell Wright from Tennessee. Uh, 29, Kansas City Chiefs offensive tackle Cody Mock from North Dakota State. Uh, 30, Vikings corner Devon Witherspoon from Illinois. 31, Buffalo Bills Bijan Robinson from Texas. They're running back there. And then 32, the Philadelphia Eagles taking defensive lineman Siaki Ika from Baylor. Where are we going, Connor? All right, I think I got three here I want to hit on. Okay. 23, the Giants with Anthony Richardson. I, I think this is a pick that they should make if they, even if they re-sign Daniel Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just let Richardson sit for a year or two. You could run some really interesting red zone stuff with him. And I know mm-hmm. you could do that with Daniel Jones' athleticism, but I'm just throwing in a different wrinkle. And I, I think as a Anthony Richardson fan, I think if I could put him in the hands of any coach in the nfl brian dable is in the top three Brandon yeah Richardson. yeah yeah he brian. might he might be number one might be one i mean Kyle Shane, crazy to Kyle say Shane hands in the three yep but we know that yeah i mean yeah no no just, no. I'm, I'm saying i'm I just saying, saying like coaches uh ob- like objectively yeah 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 and i, maybe, I think that maybe maybe doug peterson i feel like would be the third. doug yep doug's doug, there doug would definitely be up there um man yeah this is richardson richardson this is the dream spot for richardson and i got a lot of pushback here from giants fans as well i think giants they're not they're not hot on this we talked about it like no they're not a voicemail segment and it was not received very well i i I don't think giants fans like our podcast very much because we look at the situation that the giants have had this year and i think the successes of the giants is a lot more on Dable than it is on Jones really getting that much better. Now is Jones playing better? Of course he is. But if that, like, if you believe in Brian Dable to do what he did with Daniel Jones, I believe in him to do things with Anthony Richardson. I think people look at Anthony Richardson and they see another Malik Willis. And that's just not the right comparison. Malik Willis was somebody from Liberty who, when you said, okay, think about what Malik Willis could be, there was so much imagination that was required. He was not a consistent passer at all. You really didn't see it very often. His arm strength was on display multiple times, but often they just they weren't in ideal situations. He never really saw the field correctly. He was never really set. You, you just didn't see it very often, if at all. For Richardson, the imagination is not what you need. There are times where the footwork is great. The shoulders are square. The release is perfect. He sees the the receiver exactly when he needs to. He fires it exactly at the timing that he needs. We have seen it. We just haven't seen it enough. That's the inconsistency part. But it's not an imagination. It's not like you're pulling something out of nowhere. So that, to me, gives me faith that Richardson can be more consistent. Now, how much more consistent? I think that's going to be the big question. And every team, wherever they have him on their board, high or low, that's the question that they're answering. How consistent can he be? 
But there are going to be teams that feel like they can really buy into him being a lot more consistent when you see those highs. And somebody on Twitter was uh, tweeting at, I think, me and you, and they were talking about Daniel Jones versus Anthony Richardson. And straight up, Anthony Richardson's got a better arm for distance. He's got a better arm for velocity. And he's got better athleticism with his legs. He does what Daniel Jones does better at a higher level in every way. The only thing that's missing is consistency. Is it important? Of course it's important, but that's what the draft's about, picking and developing. And if I'm the Giants and I got a late first-round pick and Anthony Richardson sitting right there, I'm drafting. And that's why I did. Dude, I mean, there's there's a big argument for it in terms of not just the upside, but the trajectory the Giants are on. Like, what what is the answer for the New York Giants, the quarterback, right now? Is Do you... I think every Giants fan knows the limitations with Daniel Jones as much as the progress he's shown where you can have this bridge of Daniel Jones while still understanding you're looking for more. And I think under Dable, the Giants are always going to win too many games that they're not just going to fall into a top two pick and get this quarterback that is the no-brainer prospect. So this is the route I think you have to go. Mm -hmm. It's not the easiest route. It's kind of something it feels like the Colts ran into for a long time. The Colts were never able to draft a quarterback in the top five. They just weren't able to do it. And yeah, they got blindsided by the Andrew Luck situation as well. But it's just not always tailor-made like that. So you're going to hear a decent amount of that. For for people for people that might think it's crazy that Anthony Richardson is going 20, 23 in this mock draft, he is going earlier than this. I he think will, so too. He, he's not going to be the board on the board at 23. I had him on the board at 23 in this mock, but he's 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 not going to be. He's he's going to be going higher. He's going to be going higher than this. So maybe it's a moot point for Giants fans, anyways, to argue with this because he's probably not even going to be on the board. What's the other one? What's the next one, got? The next one for me, um, I think I'm going to be higher on Jackson Smith and Jigba than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I've realized you had him 27 to the Cowboys. I think wide receiver is definitely a need for the Cowboys, even with CD and Michael Gallup set for 2023. I love the landing spot. You throw Jackson Smith and Jigba in the slot for Dallas, and he's going to eat. Mm-hmm. I There's a chance that Jackson Smith and Jigba still ends up my wide receiver one. No, oh, okay. But that comes with the caveat that it doesn't mean I think he's going in the top 15. And I don't think I would take, I don't know if I would take any wide receiver in this draft with a top 15 pick. Mm. So. That was really the part I wanted to chime in there. The last pick I do want to talk about is Darnell Wright to the Bengals. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like this dude, this dude could come out of this draft and end up being the best tackle in the draft. Bengals fans hated this one. What? Yeah. Yeah. Do they not want O-line or they don't like Darnell Wright? Or they don't like you? Because that does happen to me when I do draft sometimes. That's that's probably true. Yeah, they probably just don't like me. Um it, huh? it, it, it seemed like they just didn't want to force the O-line pick, but I don't really think okay. that Darnell Wright's really like forcing the O-line pick. I, Again, I think he's a big, powerful right tackle who went up against really good competition this year in the SEC and fared well. Lyle Collins like straight up did not play well this year. And he's hurt all the time. Yeah, you want to go into next year and just be like, yeah, he's going to bounce back. He gets banged up all the time. I don't know. He'll be yeah. 30. They didn't I like love, Lyle Collins, but they didn't, not, they didn't love this one. Okay. Well, 
I obviously I mean, did. I made the mock there. Bengals fans, if you're listening to this podcast, sorry. Tell me who tell me who you want. I know like some people talked about them getting a pass rusher, so like maybe a pass rusher, but I think the defensive line's pretty stacked anyways. Yeah, I, I would consider somebody like Ojalari here. Maybe. But I mean that's nitpicking. I I would love to hear what Bengals fans would like for their team to draft here in this situation. Go check out my mock, pff.com, and let me know who who was on the board, who you would want over Darnell Wright, because I would love to hear from him. And then, you know, you close this thing out with the Bills getting Bijan. I think Bijan's going higher than 31, (laughs) but my God. My goodness. I couldn't help myself. No, no, you got to do it. I couldn't help myself. And somebody and pointed. Somebody, line, so, if he makes it here, it's an incredible fit. Yeah, it's, dude. It's it, somebody on uh, on Twitter responded to one of my social posts about the mock and was like, "Why would the Bills take Bijan since they just took James Cook in the second round last year?" James Cook at sixty three overall, in no way prohibits you from taking Bijan Robinson. In no way, none. Now, in reality, like you said, Bijan's probably going top 20. I think he's going top 20. Probably goes top 15. He's probably going to go top 15. Bills, I think so, too. Bills would like a slot receiver, Parker Washington, a Josh Downs. You could sub one of those guys in there. Jackson Smith and Jigby if he makes it, but I don't know if he'll make it that far. We'll see. But that, I think that would be a great pick for the Bills, too. So if you don't believe that Bijan Robinson is going to be there at 31, which I don't either. I just didn't find a home for him a little bit earlier than this. And this is a hilarious scenario to give him to the Buffalo Bills. A slot receiver. Put a slot receiver here, and that's what the mock would read. Yeah. It wouldn't shock me. I mean, they definitely need another target for Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Their offensive line needs help. Um, they're a team that, you know, and once again, you you just had that run go. Cody Mock's gone. Darnell Wright's gone. You know, they just didn't luck out in that sense. Anton Harrison was already gone. The offensive line will make a lot of sense for the Bills, but in this scenario, you know, it just didn't fall that way. So right. you get the you get the Ferrari. The Lamborghini, the man that drives the Lamborghini, <laughs> B. John Robinson. Yeah, he has a Lambo already, doesn't he? Yeah, pretty sure he has a deal down in Austin with Lamborghini Austin, I want to say. No big deal. Must, must be nice. Bijan, hook us up. Get, it, get genuinely, it. though, uh, great mock draft. I really enjoyed reading it. I really enjoyed going through it. I think you're you're way ahead already on Fitz. You know free agency is going to ruin oh, 40% of, course. of it because that's how the game goes. But I think a lot of the players you had in round one – you know, it's a really good introduction to like, hey, this is what you're going to see a lot of in the next couple months. Yeah, it was fun to do. It was fun mock like, to write. It's like we started this process in June, isn't it? It is. We've got uh, we've got some miles on these tires already for the 2023 NFL class. Uh, we w- I, I would love to hear from you. We would love to hear from you guys. At Tampa Bay Trey on Twitter, at Connor J. Rogers on Twitter. You can hit us up on Instagram as well. I think a lot of good conversations are going to happen in the YouTube comments for this one. So if you are watching this bad boy on YouTube, just scroll a little bit lower. Let us know your thoughts on uh, whatever we had your team pick, whatever we might have talked about here on this podcast. You can see the full mock. If you don't remember the picks, you can see the full mock um, over at PFF.com. It's just Sycamore mock draft. If you search it, it won't be too far. You'll be able to find it. It's a picture of Bryce Young. Bryce Young is the first thing that pops up. I found it on the front page. You can just go, ah, front page. Yeah, give yourself a little credit there. Mm. I'm an idiot, and I found it on the front page in three seconds. Let us know, though. We would love to hear your thoughts. We always love to hear you guys' thoughts, uh, mock drafts especially. We know they get that gets you guys talking, so uh, hit us up in the comments. Um, Connor, anything else before we get out of here for the weekend, my friend? No, we'll be back. Um, 
for some of you, it's the middle of the night, but essentially when you wake up Monday morning, you'll mm-hmm. have what matters most. This is a massive week, dude. Massive week. There's so many playoff implication games on the line. So we will be coming back at you with that pretty soon. We'll be ranking the tight ends. It's a really good tight end class. We'll be doing that, I believe, sometimes next week. Yep. And as always, in the middle of the week, we go through the draft order. So we're uh, we're steady rolling right now. We are indeed. We are rolling along. All right, everybody. Have a great weekend. For Trevor Sikama, for Connor Rogers, thank you guys so much for listening to the NFL Stock Exchange. We'll see you guys next week. Go Bolts! Go Bolts!